0: Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, coming to you from the pop-up Chinese studio here in Beijing. I'm Kaiser Guo. Jeremy Goldcorn is in the U.S. where his lovely and talented wife is playing some shows. Uh, we are back after a couple of weeks, and we apologize to all of our listeners for the gap. I uh, hope you all had a good new year. I spent mine in Taipei, and was uh, back there again for another week during my father's convalescence from a bout of pneumonia. He's doing great now, I'm pleased to report, and... Um, Anyway, I've had a bit of time to explore and get a better feel for the place than in earlier trips there where I was really just in and out. So today I wanted to share some of my own notes from the rebel province. Obviously, having spent only a now, grand total of like maybe a month there, my observations were going to be pretty superficial and shallow. So I've asked Paul Moser, Beijing based reporter for the Wall Street Journal, to join today. Paul spent many years living in Taiwan. I think it was, what, 2008, 2008 to 2011? Uh, yeah, about that year, 2008. Yeah, so three or four years. Uh, <laughs> where you were uh, a reporter there, and he's now with the Wall Street Journal here in, in Beijing. Uh, welcome back to Sinica, Paul. Thank you, guys. And I'm going to be uh, turning moderator duties over to our, our good friend David Moser. That's M-O-S-E-R, not like Paul's M-O-Z-U-R. Uh, they are not related, although I, I believe that one has been mistaken for the, the father of the other. I'm not sure which direction. <laughs> yes,
1: that kind of hurts my feelings. <laughs> but I, I can get back at you, Paul, by saying, i Baba." <laughs> <laughs>
0: David, as all our, our listeners know, is academic director of the CET program here in Beijing. Uh, and before he came to China, you actually lived in Taiwan for some years, right? I did. I did. Right. Yeah. I did, right. Uh, okay. So, so we all know a little bit now about it. Uh, to set the mood, I have brought with me to the studio a bottle of Kavalan single malt whiskey. This is the Solist, a cask-strength bottle. So it's like ridiculously powerful. And we've not brought water in here with us to dilute it. So... Uh, let's go easy here, boys. Um, as well as I have brought some, some delicious pineapple cakes from Sunny Hills, which I am told doesn't adulterate the filling with uh, winter melon, as some unscrupul- unscrupulous purveyors of Taiwan's most <laughs> famous snack food are wont to do. So let's clink glasses, guys, um, and toast the Rebel Province. And David, I'm going to hand over to you uh, as I take a bite of lean soup. How do clink? Let's see. How does yeah. this stuff taste?
2: mm uh, it was rebel strength. Rebel wow. strength, yeah. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a little rough around the edges. Okay, so uh, I've heard it's better with a little water. I actually visited the Kavilan, um distillery, which is a bizarre place because it's part of this massive industrial conglomerate, and they make it, they, Mr. Brown's coffee, which I'm, I'm sure oh, yeah, many, yeah, many yeah. people have seen, it, and a lot of other <laughs> random stuff. Um, it was <laughs> a very, very, very surreal experience there. Um, anyway, over to you, dude. Yeah. Do they get
1: the Taiwan? Do they get the Seneca podcast in Taiwan?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they do. Oh, they wow. do. Actually, I, I met a guy, Charlie Store. Hey, hey, Charlie. Oh yeah. Who professes to be a listener? Oh wow. Um, and
2: yeah, he's he's uh, English <laughs> editor at the China Times. Behind their most diabolical puns, uh, when you see there, yeah, their ridiculous headlines. It's usually Mister Store who's uh, who's doing that. Cool. And a computer and really type Hanging out with you, Charlie. Good. Well, hello to
1: our Taiwan Tongbao-men, <laughs> Tongbao-mer, the... <laughs> uh, Since I know Kaiser has a lot of uh, autobiographical information to bestow upon us, probably good to start with you, Paul, just to get a, a basic sense of how long you were there, your interest there, and the extent of your involvement there,
2: yeah. which,
1: I, which I, I see in this room is Part of that involvement,
0: which is your lovely girlfriend, Emily. Family. Emily's sitting here. Say hi, Emily. Just say hi. Hello, everybody.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, Go so, ahead, Paul. So, um, yeah, my my autobiographical information about Taiwan is somewhat shorter than um, Kaiser's. I went there in 2008 to, uh, to study at Taida um, doing ICLP, which was, you know, existed before IUP and I guess eventually became... Uh, IUP uh, in Beijing. And my thought process was just to go there and uh, experience a place that uh, I thought, you know, had people that were a little bit more polite, a little bit more friendly, a little easier to get along with. And I thought that would be ideal for my Chinese. Uh, But instead, it kind of left me stuck with a Taiwanese accent uh, semi-permanently, which is is a problem reporting in Beijing. Yeah. And so then I covered uh, the country for two years and really fell in love with it, uh, covered the presidential elections. The, the, the politics are always rollicking there, and it's very fun. It's a completely different example of, of the way Chinese society can be from China. And mm-hmm. uh, never expected to stay there as long as I did, but really, you know, grew very fond of it, and I go back frequently. Uh, and then, you know, finally, uh, duty called, and I, I came over to uh, Beijing. Uh, but I'd say my, my heart is still still in Taiwan. So
1: wow, wow, that's great. Uh, as they used to say our base is in Taiwan, our heart is in China and our eyes are on the rest of the world. I think that was <laughs> their motto uh, back in the 80s when I was there. Just just to quickly to give my uh, involvement with Taiwan. I went there in, in 1986, I think, or 1985, I can't remember. It well, was martial law was lifted. It was in- still under martial okay. law. Martial law wasn't listed, lifted until I think 87 or 8, but they still had uh air aid sirens and drills. They, they still, uh, still have have, air had air raid drills They still today, do. Yes, yeah. wow. still, yeah, every Amazing, six months yeah. or so. And I uh, can't say that I came away with a with a Taiwanese accent from studying there. If I came away with no accent really, I sort of was naively thought at half, half a year I ought to be able to be, be speaking fluent Mandarin and it didn't really work out that way. Um, but does. I have a lot of impressions and a lot of questions and I've, I've only spent maybe a few weeks there since then at a conference so I really will be interested in getting it. For me this is a catch up Playing catch up uh, about Taiwan, which I'm very much interested in. So, Kaiser, you have your your background is Chinese. Your parents uh, are from the mainland, and and you have, a, I understand, a lot of uh, maybe somewhat. Childhood and emotional stories to tell about your involvement with
0: oh, I yes. no, uh, yeah, Just I'm, go with it. Well, my my is spelled with a K, which is kind of the big giveaway, right. I know it's, it's a it's gua, cool, mm-hmm. but it's spelled with a K, which is the old it's an artifact of the old Wade Giles system. Uh so yeah, I mean most people who, who meet me who know anything about that can tell that I have some sort of roots in Taiwan. Um my parents left the mainland uh, in in forty eight and forty nine, father and mother respectively. And ended up in 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 Taiwan. Uh, my my dad did his undergraduate, in high school and undergraduate there. My mom was there in high school and then uh, before high school even. And and then uh, both of them went to the states in the mid fifties, uh, where me and a whole brood of siblings were born. But um, I guess you know you have to understand what both both of them have have strange backgrounds that put them sort of um, at at uh, at odds with the the Kuomintang government there. Um, my mother, I'll start with my mother, uh, her father was sort of an internal diplomat under the warlord Feng Yuxiang, uh, who ruled a lot of the, the North uh, in the 19, late 20s. And uh, he found himself at war with Chiang Kai-shek in 1930. Um, him and uh, another couple of warlords, including Yan Xishan from Sanxi province, mm-hmm. uh, the two of them uh, lost the Central Plains War of 1930 to Chiang Kai-shek. And uh, but then later were in the nationalist orbit. They were, you know, fighting with Zhang against the Japanese. So they had this sort of on again off again relationship with Jiang. And uh, while my grandfather, whose name was Liu Dingjian he he went to Taiwan, but he was mostly under house arrest, sort of like Jiang Xue Liang was. So he was under house arrest <laughs> through most of the fifties. Um, actually confined to a, a sort of prison hospital for a lot of the time, and and the sons that he had grew up with like this sort of visceral hatred of of Jiang Jingguo and Jiang uh, Ziya, and so they uh, my mother kind of inherited a lot of this uh, this animosity, and uh, in '72 after the Nixon visit, she leaned very pro-mainland. Uh, as did my father. Now, my father's story—I mean, there was less animosity. My my grandfather on my father's side was was Guomindang. Uh, he himself was, uh, but he was an historian, and when he published his his works in China or in, in Taiwan, he was actually the, the the founding director of the Academia Sinica. Sinica, you know, hmm. like the name of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's actually kind of a tribute to him. Uh, but he his works were not publishable in China because they were very critical of of you know. China during the Nanjing decade and, and conduct of the nationalists during the war, and seen as too sympathetic to the communists, and he was in some ways sympathetic. Um, I remember, I mean, he would tell my father things like, um, "This was in Nanjing after uh, after the Japanese defeat. Uh, all of my best students have joined the Communist Party." You know, that sort of writing on the wall things that mm. he would say like that, and um, so my my father, like a lot of children of of intellectuals from the uh who who were in taiwan uh when he was in the states he he was quite left in his politics uh, very willing to believe the best of what he was hearing about the communists now um you know he came to china in 75 was given the whole potemkin village tour and was quickly disabused of any uh, you know, um, <laughs> notions that he had about you know the, the, the greatness of, of, of Mao uh, 75
1: under the auspices of,
0: of Well or, he was why? you know just he was sort of this patriotic huaqiao, you know uh-huh. returning to China but uh-huh. uh, you know he's no fool um, right. and so uh, he he he's you know now uh, somebody who's who's quite critical uh, I mean critical even now of, of reformist China where where he would have been even even more so now had right. he been Catapulted back in time to to pre 70s Do, you, do
1: either parents have stories of that time? Uh, we can only guess what it was like. Repressive
0: police state. You yeah, know, I mean, to... uh, you know, they were young <clears throat> then, so these stories are mostly about things that happened to their parents. So, um, you know, my 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 it was worse for my paternal grandfather. I'm oh. uh, my maternal grandfather. Uh, uh, you know, he. The, the legends have it that you know he was actually like placed in front of firing squads and had his life stayed at the last minute. I mean, I, I don't know how much of this is apocryphal. <laughs> how much <of> it's real. <laughs> anyway, um, the, the the point is that the upshot is that in the seventies, after the the Nixon visit, there was this big schism in the Chinese American community. And my parents, for various reasons, leaned left, leaned pro-mainland, and so.
1: Well, your parents were all were were already in the U.S. in the at states. This time, at the, yeah, they time. were in the states okay. from the mid fifties on. But all they right.
0: were, you know, you know, they were uh very very happy to see you know uh, rapprochement rapprochement mm-hmm. and eventually normalization and so when the, the taiwan little league team would come uh and, and it was, they were they were a powerhouse in the 70s i mean they they won all sorts of world little league world series uh they played a game in pennsylvania near where where i grew up in upstate new york and we went to see them and and you know i i realized that you know there was half the crowd of chinese was wa- waving you know the, the, the other. KMD flag and the, uh, half the other, the other half, and then there were actual there was fisticuffs. Yeah. There was you know it was a lot of unpleasantness. But, but, but they were all rooting for the team. Right, they were all rooting for the team because they all claimed them as Chinese. It uh, should be
2: pointed out the team I think violated all kinds of rules. Right, in terms they had of like of twenty three restrictions <laughs> and yeah, 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 that's why they were so dominant.
0: Right, yeah, they had like probably using you know steroids or whatever. Yeah. Even then yeah. not a fodger fa- zhi- Gujja, yeah. <laughs> even exactly. they didn't play by the rules. <laughs> there was this yeah. one kid named Irod. <laughs> but so, yeah, I guess the other thing that prejudiced me, I suppose, against Taiwan was um, in my uh, early visits to China. I, I would frequently run it. I mean, this is in, in the 80s and then in, in the early 90s. A lot of, uh, of, I mean, I, I guess I would ca- have to call them carpet carpetbaggers. Uh, these, you know, business people from Taiwan who, I mean, I was talking about this with my dad recently. He says, you know, this is the, the, the Chinese were so eager to form these joint ventures and to lure in uh, foreign direct investment. And most of it initially came from ethnically Chinese people from Greater China and from from you know Southeast Asia and the States. Uh that they, they, they got in bed with all sorts of unscrupulous characters, knowingly, quite knowingly. But yeah, I mean a lot of my early encounters with Taiwanese were with these these slime balls. And so, yeah, my initial impressions, I have to, to say, were not good. I'm happy to report that I have turned around completely, and I'm a, I'm a well, very it was, big fan.
1: It was, a, it was a biased selection there. Absolutely. If you just do the business of any kind in post-reform China, you're going to run into slime balls, and, and, and you know, right. nouveau riche, it didn't get that way. I understand, that, right, now. Right, yeah, right, understand right. that now. You understand that now, yeah. All right. So you started out with a sort of a bias against Taiwanese, but, but since having spent time there... You've turned around
0: very much so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would say you know, like 180 degrees. I mean, I, I'm a, a very big fan of it. I, I uh, find much that I that gives me not just I mean hope about China. I mean, I, I think it's as as Paul said, it's it's a very polite society. It's a very mature society, and I think if I had to put my finger on one thing, it would be trust. It seems to be a society where there's a lot of interpersonal trust, and uh, that that is. So conspicuously absent here from, in yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, PRC, right. yeah, right.
1: Well, that's it. Well, that's, uh, well let, let me get to that because this is something I want to ask both of you now. That you've uh, Kaiser, feel free to go on and talk more about no, your past. But I want to just get us all three involved here a little bit more. Uh, when I first, when I was there in 1986, what's one thing that struck me of the of the of the mood of the people there? And keep in mind this was this was before you really had a a, a Taidu you know movement exactly, and there was very much closer. To the, the the sort of the the immigration from the main from the mainland, but you had this sort of a schizophrenic attitude that I among the Taiwanese that I talked to, which was one was that uh, we have kept maintained the essence of the true China here. Mm-hmm. We have kept mm-hmm. the values. We have Confucianism in our schools and and so on and so forth, right? And the communists have just ruined it. They've even ruined the characters that they've simplified and destroyed sure. and all this kind of stuff. But on the other hand. They were also very painfully aware that, in fact, they were no longer in the locus of all that was Chinese. I mean, they weren't in the, Beijing. They had no access to those places and to those artifacts, and and it was it was painful. It was very painful for them. And 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 many conversations I had with these people ended in crying. I mean, if I even said anything like, "Well, I'd like to go to the mainland and and you know see what it's like," they would cry. You know, because why would you can't go there? Yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, that was a long time ago. And as I said, it was still under martial law uh, at that time. Uh, but uh, surely, you know, times have changed. And this gets uh, overlaps with a question that Jeremy Goldcorn wanted to ask, which is the sense of Taiwanese identity now. Mm-hmm. When you go to Taiwan, you know, Paul, either, or either, either one of you, what do they say that they that they are do they identify themselves as taiwanese? Do they still say that you know they long to be chinese or what's what is their sense of personal personal identity and their
2: relationship to the mainland i mean, I think the great majority i think statistics show something like seventy percent of people generally identify as taiwanese uh and so there are some still you know mainlanders who who will say yeah you know no i'm I, I believe we're a part of china and They kind of, you know, buy into that. But for the most part, most people, most young people who grew up in the, the, you know, sort of post-80s generation are very much, you know, believers that they are Taiwanese and... You know this comes out constantly, and and there's constantly fights back and forth with you know with Chinese misunderstanding that, or or perhaps understanding it all too well, uh, that that the Taiwanese don't really want a lot of association with China, especially uh, the young people, and you get these conflicts. Uh, you know anything from various sporting events to you know stars getting up on stage and saying you know. Uh, I'm, I'm Taiwanese, and that being enough to set off a Chinese fan, and you know, so there's these these problems that are sort of still un, not fully mediated. Uh, one of the other complicating factors is this idea of, um, you know, do we unify or is is if you you know because when people do these polls, there's this question of okay, uh, on one hand, you either have unification or independence or the status quo. Mm. And so usually a lot of people choose the status quo, but when you get rid of the status quo, if that's not an option, if it's either unification or uh, independence, the, the vast majority of people go towards independence. Right, it's easy to say on a poll, right? Uh, it's I, I found that, I mean, I, I, what,
0: what I've found talking with people there um, who weren't, of course, in my immediate family, which is, of course, you know, Ren people who went from the mainland, and they're all very blue, uh, in wider circles, for example, I have a cousin. I mean, I often uh, we 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 compare notes a lot. Um, his name is Arvin Chen, and he he's a filmmaker there. Uh, Arvin uh, decided to go to to Taiwan. I mean, after college, I mean, he grew up in the states like me. You know, born in, born and raised in the states, another you know, just typical ABC kid, uh, but sort of found his fame and fortune in in, in Taiwan. And so we have these weirdly parallel lives, where I mean, he's been very involved in the arts and and and, and so forth. Uh, but um, his friends, yeah, I, I find it's exactly as Paul said. There, there's the people who are Taiwanese, that is, you know, who who have been in Taiwan from the 18th and maybe early 19th centuries. They're uh, they, they they definitely identify as Taiwanese and not as Chinese. Uh,
1: well, although let me push back a little bit on that. I mean, I did a little bit of because I was curious about this and I kind of looked at some of the polls that were out there and you know, polling. There's always a problem with with sampling and the way they ask the question, but it seemed like there was a, a yeah and quite the a politics pre- associated with them, right. Taiwan, which there, but there was a, quite a preponderance if if, if given a choice. A huge number of the younger people, especially, identify themselves as both Taiwanese right. and Chinese. Right, right, and both. Chinese. Chinese. And, and that's that's, that's the, the culture, complexity yeah. there, right? Yeah. And no. only actually only a tiny percent, when you ask, would say I'm just Chinese. I'm Chinese. A very small minority. Right, right. I'm not sure what it would have been in the 1980s, but now it seems like that they're very happy to be call themselves Taiwanese. But ethnically, look in the world in terms of cultural contrast, what am I? If not Chinese, that you speak Chinese and your Chinese, you know, uh, your memes are all Chinese. So how can you not be Chinese?
2: Right, and and, and that's where there's you usually get a separation where I'm, I'm culturally uh, or, or or ethnically uh, Chinese, but but ultimately I am Taiwanese. And and right. so there's this kind of you know on one level you can have a certain culture. You know, I mean maybe maybe it's something like you know being very very deeply Italian American and saying well you know culturally I'm more Italian, but obviously I'm American. I, right. I think there's that kind of separation between national identity and, and, and the eth- Culture that yeah right. and ethnicity that sit on top of it. Um and then even within that though you get more complex because you have Hakka, you have the mm-hmm. uh people who you know were in the island, were on the island originally uh you know in the sixteen, seventeen hundreds, 1700s, uh, uh who had emigrated from Fujian. And then you have, you know, of course the, yeah, the KMT. Well cool. the KMT also, you know, who came in 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 forty five and then you have the aborigines as well. So there's quite a bit of, of diversity even yeah, within that in terms of eth- yeah, uh,
1: ethnicity. Uh, although something like 85 or 90% are Han descendants, basically. And these others are smaller, are our decided minority. Right, but yeah, Han, Han yeah.
2: always whitewashes very, exactly. you know, complexities yeah, right. of China, right? And in Taiwan, those complexities, I feel like, flourish a bit more. than. than or had, Han, too. Kuziaran well. or Han. yeah, <laughs> but I mean, or, yeah right. exactly.
1: But we'll touch on the, uh, this, this the Taiwan dependence or the independence issue um the the one thing i was thinking of you know uh should there be a taiwan independence movement or or the status quo well, what is the status quo a lot of people have pointed out that there's something kind of meaningless about this dichotomy because many people will say well actually the status quo is ipso is in effect taiwan independence because you know they have a thriving economy they may not have embassies in the world, but yeah, they have the, you know, the fact of not the jury independent exactly. exactly. As well. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. that, so that so that so that's almost the easiest path of the path of least resistance because that's the way it is. In fact, you know. So so what about that feeling? I, I would guess what you have is a lot of young people, people who are living very free lives under a new kind of dem, you know uh, free democratic democratic system. Are saying we're very fine here, whatever you want to call it. Let's just leave things as they are. And they, one thing they don't want to do is be subsumed under the mainland PRC,
0: right? Sure. I think yeah. um, what, what most people talk about is some f- some permutation of one one country, two systems as as the the, the likely uh, form Resolution that reunification of reunification yeah. would would eventually right. take. A, a lot of people bristle about that. I, I found what's really interesting is this strata of. Uh, I mean, I, I met a, a few people who who would fall into this category of. People who were white shenanigans, that is, you know, whose families are deeply blue. Uh, but who the better explain that. Blue, I mean that's Guomindang. I mean KMT. Right. The KMT national. The pan
1: they call it the pan-blue party or something like that. Coalition of parties. Yeah, pan-blue
0: coalition. Yeah. Who oppose uh independence. But who whose actual affinities in terms of policy, of domestic policy, economic policy, social policy, and so forth, lean very much in, in favor of the Greens, of the Democratic Progressive Party, uh, you know, who are more interested in… Uh, economic. Right, in a in in, in, uh, stronger social safety net and in, in, in right, uh, right uh, more equitable distribution of income, more progressive tax system, and so forth. So yeah, that, there's there's that that's interesting. I mean, because I I I know that I think I if I were to live in Taiwan, I would fall into that category, where um my I mean sort of maybe it's it's more uh, instinct that pushes me in the direction of resistance to independence or whatever. But yeah. um but where I, I would find the domestic policies of the Kuomintang pretty abhorrent. Yeah,
1: that's that's interesting. Uh, Paul, you're a reporter. Were well, you? You were a reporter there, right? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. covered
2: the last presidential election, actually. Right.
1: So that's it's sort of interesting t- to use you as a contrast uh, as someone who can speak to this uh, f- from coming to this system where the media is tightly controlled. I assume that Taiwan has. A completely free—you're uh, you're, you're, uh, grimacing maybe... and making faces as I'm about <laughs> to ask this question. So I'll go ahead and ask it. Is is Taiwan a totally free press? I mean,
2: I mean yeah, I, I think the big problem in Taiwan—I mean, there's certainly issues. People people are concerned about some of the newspapers uh, being too much in control of, of one party or another. Uh, and then there's Apple Daily, which, you know, some people— don't like because they say it's it's too extreme in in its in its um, you know tabloid you know sensibilities but it does also do very good sort of muckraking groundbreaking mm-hmm. investigative work my primary complaint about the taiwanese media is that it almost has the american issue of the fox newsification of things i mean everything is so overblown and there's not necessarily uh, you know everybody's especially on cable tv are are competing for viewers exclusively and and, and accuracy is not getting in the way and uh, <laughs> to touch that off there was uh during during the, uh, the 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 Japan earthquake uh during the nightly news i remember that night um tv i believe um tv bs sounds um, great showed a uh opening their opening clip was a, a shot from deep impact with a tidal wave <laughs> running over new york and that that seriously is how they opened up the nightly news to talk wow. about the earthquake and and wow. it was really it's 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 unbelievable and so people People in Taiwan, I feel like there's different social movements and different things that happen, and they get really, really upset and angry and, 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 and motivated by news stories that are just so overblown and, and, and overplayed. And, and I feel like a lot of times the media is not doing a very good job of actually informing people. Uh, but in fact, just whipping up a, a furor for one political cause or another. But it's
1: for the usual capitalistic uh, newspaper selling. Uh, if it le- if it leads, it leads type yeah, of reporting, that, that's exactly not because it, of you know, any political uh, repression or something. Right. When I when I was there in the eighties, I remember you know that the 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 media was was ba- it would relentlessly bash. Mm-hmm. I mean, and propaganda everywhere, and the kids in the schools were drawing crayon pictures. Of the you know, poor, the exploited thing. workers yeah. in the mainland China, <laughs> How <ironic>. the, the <laughs> skies were always polluted and gray, which, come to think of it, is actually pretty accurate uh, prediction of what it was going to look like.
0: Well, Taipei in the eighties wasn't so much better. That,
1: uh, that's true, but what is the what's this the the tone of the media on the mainland now?
2: they stridently, you know, or is it pretty objective or what? I mean, it it ranges radically depending on which which newspaper you read. Uh, I mean, there's four big newspapers, and and two of them tend to go more uh, more pro KMT or pro China, and so they. You know, very very positive about economic rapprochement and some of the steps that Ma has taken. Though Ma, you know, Ma Ying the current president, his, his popularity has really plummeted. So uh, it, it's been even even some of them are coming out and, and hitting him. Uh, so that's on one side. On the other side, uh, you have uh, a paper that's very very pro DPP. You know, the current opposition party, right. pro independence party, and uh, and and they uh, tend to, to view. I mean. They basically, when they look at China, they don't always see a conspiracy, but there's always some issue with it. And everything, every move that that China might make um, or that, you know, that the KMT is making is about, in the end... Uh, unification sort of you know in some sneaky roundabout way and I mean they have a point some to some degree that is the case uh, but anything that could be good for Taiwan's economy um, if it brings them closer to China is, is almost is some often out of hand rejected uh, and then there's Apple daily which is you know the these the, the screwball uh, you know <laughs> drunk guy in the corner doing what Drug he wants uncle. and uh, <laughs> and they and I are to me they're the best newspaper in Taiwan because they they write it like it is they've done the best investigative pieces uh, their editorial page is amazing and uh, and then they have a whole range of, of viewpoints on both sides of your picture well,
1: so yeah uh, I don't want to spend the whole ti- time on, on Taiwan independence there are a lot of other things to talk about cultural things but I just want to just throw something else to get both of your opinion about one thing that we're told by the China watchers and, and people like Kenneth Lieberthal my teacher at University of Michigan and stuff mm-hmm. like this you know is that the, the the PRC government is not kidding around when they say that this is an unslippable issue that, that they are not going to allow uh, you know, a Taiwan independence movement, and they've got military might to back it up. And and they're not kidding. And, and we hear this, right?
2: Well, remember, 96, they were lobbing missiles off, that's uh, right. off the yeah, eastern coast of Taiwan during the, the first democratic election. That's right. Very um, scary. And, and Clinton had to send two carrier groups you that's, know, that's to plug right. in. I want to get to know.
1: that in a minute, too, about the U.S. relationship in all of this. You know. But the other thing is, I guess the the model for the reunification is still— Basically, Hong Kong and Macau, you know, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And
0: how's that working out?
1: I mean, the Taiwanese looking at that, does that make them positive about it, or is it does that make yeah, is obviously negative? No, 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 no,
0: no. I think it, I think they're going to see what they want to see. There are plenty of people. I mean, I talked to my relatives there, the deeply blue ones, and they think that it it's perfect. They say, hey, you know, Hong Kong's going to enjoy democratic elections in 2017, and. And uh, really, if you look at things, you know... They're optimistic. They're very optimistic. They're going to see it how
2: they... It's going to confirm for them what their pre-existing view already was. Uh To me, I mean, one of the things that I saw, I just want to sort of really quickly jog through this. The last presidential election, there was this thing called the 92 consensus that came up. And without going too much into depth about it, um, just a few days before the election, a lot of people came out, uh, business leaders, you know, Cher Wong, founder of HTC, others like that, uh, came out and basically endorsed the KMT and said that without the KMT... There will be no business uh, you know, with China. There will be no economic future for Taiwan, and therefore we need to vote this way. And so t- to some degree, it, it all kind of boils down to me, this, this issue of you have the world's second largest economy 100 miles away from you. Uh, they're the only economy you don't trade normally with. You trade normally with the rest of the world. So if you're Taiwan, to continue to block that out is almost impossible, and it's going to hobble your economy. The problem is the Chinese will generally not deal with the DPP. So if you're a Taiwanese voter, the, the, the calculus is very simple. If you want to move forward uh, economically, oftentimes uh, you basically have to go uh, w- w- with the KMT, and and I think in that regard they kind of scared people into voting for them, and that's one of the reasons why Ma won an election uh, with with a good a good amount of the voting, fifty percent of the vote, uh, and then within a year had had a, had a popularity rating below thirty percent. Right, you know, that's, so that's I think one of but, the I things mean, going the, on. But the, the, the naked economic truth is right now. I mean, what everyone who I
0: talk to would tell me is that is that. Uh, Wages for college graduates in Taiwan have not risen in over a decade. Uh, Nor has inflation, though. Right. Well, yeah, but that's stagflation. I yeah. mean, this is this is not a healthy situation to and be the, and in. And the world economy is not doing too well either. You know, it might be mentioned. Of course, uh, of course. But I mean, we're talking about um, something that was one of the the big East Asian dynamos, which was you know the the biggest tiger in the pack for a while. Right. Uh, you know, I, I I think that there's. I mean, when, I, when everyone that I talked to uh, was mainly, chiefly interested in talking to me about economic opportunities mm-hmm, um, yeah. and and you know what the spurs are for for growth in in Taiwan, uh, and most people, yes, I think really link in their minds the issue of of unification with the economic benefits that it could potentially bring. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I I know that there's bias. They were talking to me, me with my my almost cartoonishly thick Beijing accent. <laughs> and, <on> the, the, <laughs> Yeah, that will color. Right, that, that <laughs> will right. It'll color the way that they, they they talk
1: to me. Right, right. Uh, uh, my thinking is, you know, there's so much economic activity, clandestine and quasi legal and otherwise, between the mainland and, and aren't is it not true that uh, Ta- the mainland is Taiwan's biggest? Wasn't a, yeah, I mean, and it's we're it's talking about what hundred something fifty billion billion dollars a year or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't good. know the figures, but anyway. There's a lot of activity going, on and you, and I suppose you guys see that, right? I mean, when you're there, you run into lots of mainlanders in Taiwan doing business. Sure, in, in a close, I see them well, all the time here,
0: right? Lots of mainlanders in Taiwan, mainly tourists. Yeah, uh, mainly tourists. Right. Yeah. Emily's shaking her head. Yeah. No. more more than just tourists. No, 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 mainly tourists. Yeah, mainly, <laughs> <laughs> tour- <true>. <laughs> t- mainly well, tourists. Mainly tourists. Yeah,
1: but my but but here's my here's my question money talks. I mean, the politics is all well and good, but I mean, they've already got this established relationship going on that, that's that's a lot of money. You're talking about a lot of investment here. Isn't it very likely, Do you, either you think that the, ra- the way this is going to be resolved eventually is that they're just going to, you know, uh, cut a ribbon and say, we now declare, you know, the Republic of Fubar, you know, something or other, and make some announcement or something, basically give Taiwan complete independence to do whatever it wants to do, Make the you know the the economic ties completely uh, aboveboard and lubricated fully by all the fully you know by the governmental mechanisms, and just call that the solution. Well, that's clearly you know.
0: the trend. I mean, that's what's happening right now. I think that well, that's, that's different really a little bit than about. Hong
1: Kong though. She still is, is has got its hand in Hong Kong. In, even in the press. That's one of the reasons oh, I ask public press. I mean,
0: that's, that's, that's questionable. I but, mean,
1: well, I don't know, Kaiser. Talk I mean, to look, our friend the, Paul Mooney about that. But but anyway. Uh, I, you know, yeah, because
2: like, yeah. you know, Paul, Paul Mooney
0: is, is is such a good balanced, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. Uh, but Anyway,
2: I, I actually disagree with that, though, in the sense that I think Ma, with with Ekfa, with, with, with what? We, uh, with um That the, they the, they they they're going to gloss about, this over it. yeah, this is, that this is an actual uh, issue that can be solved because Ma's Ma has done, Ma came in uh, uh, trying to uh, build trade relations, and if you look at what people were writing a few years ago, the idea was first you do ECFA, which is you know the free trade style agreement between China and Taiwan, which was fairly landmark. Uh, and then after that, you go forward and you do confidence building measures and, and you start having more exchanges and, and you, you make step-by-step improvements uh, down the line towards something like this sort of semi-official uh, a way to have a, a Taiwan be a part of China. But the problem is after ECFA, Ma has been unable to get almost anything done. And the issue is that he, I think he's keenly aware that that if he pushes further, he's going to so alienate um, people in, in Taiwan politically. And this is a pure political issue that that it's it's just not feasible. And so the Chinese push hard, and he can give as much as he can. But, I mean, basically the past couple of years, nothing mm-hmm. has happened. And, and the but reason I, is because yeah. he can't – I don't think he can go any further. They've had a taste now
0: of what what, what comes from, from closer interaction with the mainland right now. And everyone I talk to is talking about how great it's been for the, the Taiwan economy that they're able to – to, to get those rich mainlanders' dollars, and then that's right. how they always refer to them now. It has become, I mean, sort of a, a minimum hurdle to, to jump for anyone in any major Chinese yeah. city to get to Taiwan uh, for a pretty long long period of time. It's, uh, I mean, there's direct flights, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're there right. in three hours. It's 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 really kind of astonishing. I mean, from ten years ago to today, I I, I see pretty astonishing progress. And and the, the other thing that that is is I think it really needs to be mentioned. Is is uh, what what shocks me is the extent to which I realize now Taiwan has already changed China. Uh, uh, I mean, you very, you, yes, you, good point. you go there and you see so many of the things that you see in common with Taiwan oh, with with the mainland cities, and you realize the direction of influence. It is not the mainland influencing Taiwan so much as uh, as, as as Taiwan culture. Infiltrating in the mainland, and yeah. I think often very, very positive ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the same with you know with the Pearl River Delta, with Hong Kong. I mean, it's it's, but it's it's quite obvious, especially in the Yangtze Delta. I mean, you see, there's just yeah, such sure. tremendous influence, and shaman, yeah, yeah. of
1: course. It sounds like what we were saying, the upshot is that. Things are going pretty well yeah. now in, in terms of these economic yeah. – why don't, rock the – it's po- sta- status quo it. yeah. as far as the – It's I just kind of right. – yeah, it's kind of See, a beautiful right.
0: thing. Yeah. I mean there's goodwill um, right. as far as I can tell. But I, my, I don't think it's in anyone's yeah. interest to, to right. fuck
2: with it. My point is just that when you try to go anywhere further, as soon as you say, well, let's make a political decree that says that we're going to do a two-systems style you know, agreement, you're going to have – You're right. Hell, you're, you're just going to get you're gonna, people – It's going to be counterproductive. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I mean it's one of these things best left – not talked about and um, allow organic forces to right, work there, right. which I think is quite beautiful. Which, which
1: negates uh, my question I was going to ask, which is uh, what exactly the, the Taiwan relations actions, what would the U.S. do if, the, you know, really? I, I always tell my students the U.S. attitude towards the Taiwan uh, PRC conflict is. Who knows? Which that's we don't exactly know what exactly what, I, what we would do. You know,
0: I, I I don't think that's a fruitful thing for us to even discuss because nobody Cause there's really there, knows. It's, right. it's,
1: there's no contingency uh, for uh, that. I, really I want to actually,
0: if if we if I can just sort of steer this back toward um sort of micro observation, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm really. More comfortable with because it's all <laughs> unable to make right now. But I mean, there's just some things that I, I that, that, you know, now having, having been there uh, for a good stretch and having sort of focused my gaze, uh, that, that were really kind of delightfully surprising to me. Okay, and, and some of them, you know, David, and you and I share a passion for music. There is such a more deeply rooted musical culture there Mm -hmm. than here in the mainland i mean it's (laughs) astonishing to me you go anywhere and the mix that they're playing in a bar in a shopping center in a cafe i mean there's interesting music happening i mean there are people who are knowledgeable i'm deeply knowledgeable about it uh that was that was a delightful surprise to me it never really uh, dawned on me how deep the japanese imprint was until i Mm had spent so much time there and you realize that most of your food choices i mean you know Night markets or whatever side are Japanese, and there's some astonishingly wonderful Japanese food there in mm-hmm. Taipei. I mean, that that kind of blew me away. I, I wasn't, I guess, I wasn't, I mean, fully prepared for the the depth of the cultural imprint from from Japan. Paul, do,
2: do you do you notice that? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I mean that's yeah. that's what. I mean, I mean, there's an element of American influence there, but the, the oh, Japanese sure, sure, sure. is very, very heavy, and uh, and I mean, maybe that's. I think one of the interesting questions people point to Taiwan as this thing that China could become. You know, maybe maybe China can develop into this, you know, properly civic society where there is trust amongst people and and and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, basically, a, a lovely place like Taiwan. And the question to me is, well. Could China do that? I mean, I mean, you know, sort of all the scars of the Cultural Revolution and things like that aside. Uh, to me, a lot of what makes Taiwan that way is this Japanese imprint on the society and the way people act. So, I mean, I think there is that that kind of question. Uh, uh, and, I don't and, think that that, that
0: I, 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 Maybe I'm, I'm sort of overbrimming with optimism now, just having had having seen this up close. But I came away just feeling uh, like. Full of of of, of hope. That I'm not. Here, I I feel like we have now slain once and for all this idiotic notion that there is something sort of genetic mm-hmm. to the the Chinese political culture that makes it inimical to democracy, to inimical to be a a free open society. I mean, it can happen. Of course, I understand full well that there are all sorts of of of, mm-hmm. of reasons. Have, yeah, you know, yeah. questions of scale, of population, of resources, of of right. you know yeah. coastal area it's a sort of surface area to volume uh, yeah but
2: i mean it's it's not impossible but one of my favorite little anecdotes, real quick, when I was getting an apartment for the first time in, in Taiwan, I wanted to get tatami mats. So we we're looking around trying to find somebody who could do tatami mats, and we ended up finding this this ninety three year old guy, I think, who had learned during the Japanese occupation how to make tatami mats, and he still had his shop, <laughs> was watching Japanese television, you know, came over, delivered my you know handmade tatami mats, and uh you know, it, it's just a completely different. I mean, there are still old people who speak you know Japanese there, and oh yeah, and plenty. that's and that's fading, but I mean. It's it's, the The impact is huge and and you can kind of roll your eyes you know when Taiwanese when you say that and say, oh you know maybe they just want to be like Japan because Japan's such an outsized east Asian you know influencer, but at the end of the day it really is there and there is that there is that feel to it so,
0: my yeah. my sense is also it, it's a choice for that uh, I mean, it's sort of a deliberate it's it's sort of a way to say hey I'm different i i i uh do not fully embrace this this chinese mm-hmm. identity right
2: mm-hmm. oh. yeah
1: so it's very What's
0: it, uh, you, know, you mentioned things like population. Ta- Taiwan
1: is only like the population of Beijing. Yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. actually And And I, I know what you mean about the music, the, the fact that they have had these influences since way back continuously, when. Continuously. Yeah, yeah, continuously. Exists, right? But on, on the other hand, how well actually, except in, in certain filmmakers perhaps and things, how, how much have they been doing with their soft power? It seems, still seems like in some ways mainland China is... Capturing a little bit more of the world's
0: soft power than Taiwan, am I wrong about that? Yeah, I mean, even, even Hong Kong probably has more of,
2: had had more of an impact yeah. globally. I mean, with, with film, certainly in,
0: much more than Taiwan.
1: There are with great
2: the Taiwanese filmmaking. I Ho Hsiao well, and yeah, um, I mean, there was um, a whole Taiwanese Yee, right? film rena- renaissance. But uh, but it, yeah, it, I mean, the the Hong Kong kung fu impact is, is different. Right? right. I mean,
1: so so just uh, openness doesn't guarantee the kind of creativity, vibrancy, or whatever it is that soft power entails. No, it must, it, there's something does, else that doesn't.
2: need that's that's needed, right? Well, it's also a small country. I mean, look, the story of China is compelling because it's 1.3 billion. Million people uh, coming from you know a period of great turmoil into a period of, of, of um, you know of success economically, and, and and Taiwan is a story of 22 million people. Uh, you know, coming together and doing fairly well on the economic stage, and, and and batting way above their weight, and living a lovely life, and that's just less interesting. I mean, you struggle as a journalist to write because you you could see like the Gini, the Gini coefficient would slip slightly in Taiwan, and people would be complaining about a wealth gap. But then you look at the wealth gap in Taiwan, in uh, America, or China, or China or and in it's India so much larger right. that that it's not a compelling story anymore. So well, you do it, struggle with these issues. It was the the, the... The China
1: uh, uh, books, media, and everything gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of uh, dis- dissemination and play because of of the drama of the story of of China itself, and mm. and you know how many things won Cannes Film Festival awards not because they were great films, but because they got banned in China. Whereas whereas I've seen lots of films from Taiwan that are not famous and not even by famous directors that i i thought were there were wonderful films mm-hmm. incredible films beautiful films right but they're, they're sort of you know they're, they'll they're, never get catch the world's attention
0: so know, so like. taiwan is is or taipei anyway it's 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 very Xiaozi, right i mean mm-hmm. how do we translate Xiaozi? sort of petty Petit bourgeoisie, bourgeoisie right? yeah i mean it, but it's in in a a way that's that's classy i mean it's not <laughs> vulgar i mean you know i i found it a very uh kind of enticing kind of place i i kept Thinking of myself retiring to a place like that, where I mean, there isn't strife, there isn't daily drama. I mean, it's yes, it's it, it lacks that. It doesn't have repression. the edge, <laughs> but I mean, are, are, I, David, you've been living in Beijing for how long now? Like sixteen, twenty-five, twenty-five. Years, 25 are you fucking sick of edge? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, yes. I know that I, I I occasionally get get sick of of edge. You know, okay. Here is another thing that I had experience of up close: is the healthcare system. Mm. Oh my god. The healthcare system in Taiwan is really I mean it's something to write home about. I mean I'm I was so blown away at the the the, the level of attentiveness, the quality of the care, the amazing uh healthcare health insurance program that they have there. I was just really kind of I mean wow, blown away. Hmm. I mean the the sanitation, the, the the quality of the rooms and I mean and, and yes, there there was a little bit of, you know, and yes, I understand that there's a big debate in my family as to whether it's appropriate or inappropriate to offer, you know, a hongbao to a doctor um, for, for, for some procedure. But uh, but all in all, it was, wow. I mean, I understand that it's been ranked among the best healthcare systems in the world. Really? And I, I, huh. Yeah, and I, I think I've, I've seen it now firsthand, and I would attest to that.
1: Uh, is this just a reflection of, I mean, they're a, an island with lots of resources and not a great just per capita G- yeah, GDP? Yeah, per capita GDP, right? I mean, it,
0: it is that. But, I mean, still, somebody needs to put that program in place. Somebody needs that. It's still a, a, a non-trivial thing. It, it, yeah. it doesn't, you know, it's not an emergent property. I mean, you suddenly reach a certain level of per capita GDP.
2: and while voilà, There's the a yeah. healthcare system. We need. I mean, it was thought through. And, and Taiwan remains an intensely capitalist place. So the idea that um, that you can have uh, sort of socialized medicine that works so well is is amazing. And, and the price tag is the other thing. I banged up my knee and got a when I was in Taiwan a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I Had to get an X ray and I. I'm an trying X-ray to imagine how all these <laughs> different. I, I had to, yeah I can't. Um, but it but all. We went through a couple of different procedures, got some medicine, you, and all told it came out any, to like forty U.S. dollars. I mean that no was anesthetics the price. were necessary. right? Really. No, no yeah. anesthetics necessary. Right. But I was given a lot of pills that I didn't take, but <laughs> but you know they were cheap. I mean the thing is forty dollars for all this, and you got an X ray. I mean it's just amazing. And, and it's to somebody from America, it's it's dumbfounding. You know,
1: well, one thing that impressed me when I was there, and I've been there a short time compared to you, you two, but but. Ha, that, it, that in fact, uh, you know, their claim that they have kept and retained and nurtured the traditional Chinese arts and culture and values and everything. And there, they, there is a point there uh, that I was impressed that you could find everything from traditional Chinese medicine to Buddhist temples. I mean, there must be 10,000 Buddhist temples there. Yeah, and they're and, really
0: ugly.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's like, they're, they're so Gauche. Gaudy, I mean, uh, but, yeah, they're gaudy, but some, some of them are beautiful. If you get out of Taipei, if you go oh, yeah. to like, uh, they're gorgeous, it's nestled in the in the sort of mountain. And some of them
1: gorgeous. have uh, f- uh, photos of President Reagan hanging in them too. Yeah, but, yeah, but, in, yeah. but anyway, my point, my point being that I, I was struck He's by the fact that, Buddha, that there was there was all this Taiwanese and Chinese culture, but at the same time, you know, very Westernized, and and it was sort of what you could imagine China being, the mainland China being, if if had it been this open culture. With non-porous non-por- with boundaries, where you could, you right. know, that, that there were people that were there were people. What, what struck me there was lots of people I talked to and that I that I, I lived with a family there, who were who were Christian, they were Protestants. But they also went to the temples on the weekends, mm-hmm. so they, they had like this folk religion, the Taoism, they had temples, hey, and, the, and yeah. Christianity. It's the fundamental
0: and, feature of Chinese culture is it's ecumenicalism Yes, it's, it's, it's like it's like syncretic. Let's
1: believe in several of them because it's bound to be better than believing right. in just one, right? Mm-hmm. But I I found that very charming in a certain way, and and it's sort of like Chinese left to their natural devices will gravitate towards this kind of religious practice. I just found that very interesting, which is not so easy.
0: Here. Well, you know, see thats that's the thing is I, I felt I kept saying, you know, twins separated at birth, these are twins separated I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that you know the Break cultural revolution for all its horrible yeah. evils, it did not obviously kill traditional Chinese culture and it sprung back with you know quite a bit of, of of vigor. and so yeah, I can sort of see how i I mean again these these are these are similarities that that I find on both sides of the straits that that to me just sort of speak to a, a pretty Impressive resilience on the part of that that traditional Chinese culture that you're talking about, for for, for better and for worse. To, to, to... I mean, this all that bullshit superstition you see on Taiwan. Right. I'm oh my god, that uh, everyone's got a fucking guru or some. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they pay money. Land to. of cults and temples. It's a yeah, lot of yeah, it. cults. I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah. crazy ass cults. I mean, yeah. Falun, Falun Gong yeah, is there, yeah, exactly. yeah, and big in force there. Yeah. I mean, and it was it's funny though because I mean, but again, it's a it's a, a beautifully free and open society. Um, you know, in in my obligatory visit to. You know, to 101. Uh, <laughs> in front of 101, there's there's all there's sort of what's, steady. What's 101? It's the, it's that. Pile of, of Chinese takeout boxes. Uh, oh, 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 the building, yeah. yeah it yeah, looks
2: yeah, like yeah, bamboo. Right. It looks like takeout boxes yeah, stacked yeah. up. Was it,
1: was it once the, the tallest building in the world or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah.
2: it was another Taiwan push, actually, for this soft power thing to become recognizable on the world stage for something, you know. And, and I feel like that's that was a lot of what was behind 101. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, so out in front of it, there's this Falun Gong sitting there all the time, right? Um, and then there's this other group of people waving... You know uh, Chinese flags with with you know big characters written in simplified ch- Chinese, no, mm. no less. Uh, mm. Talking about you know, follow <laughs> uh, uh, <Taipei laughs> yeah. and then you know,滚出台北. And so right. uh, it right. was. It was. Uh, it, I, I don't know. I'm. I, I was just impressed to see that kind of. Yeah. You know, uh, open discourse. What,
1: what kind of what kind of questions do you get from from Taiwanese people about? Either either the mainland or or America that, that you don't get here do, do, or do they feel like they know everything and there's no mystery or something or do you, you get crazy questions here about you know Taiwan or you get what do you,
2: what's the difference paul what do you just one real quick thing I do think Taiwanese culture though is also a little more conservative than Chinese culture in certain ways I mean there isn't a, maybe a Confucian element where you'll be people will be very polite to you for a while, but it takes a little bit longer to break through uh to some degree in Taiwan. and there, I think there's in some ways i find i find chinese people more liberal and open uh, ultimately, uh, than than Taiwanese uh, a little bit, but to the to the Taiwan China question, I think a lot of Taiwanese are very curious about China. Um, I mean, I mean, there's bad there's bad stereotypes, there's all the politics, but beneath it all, everybody knows somebody who's come you know to China and and made money or gotten a good job or or, or, or whatever, and and so people are very very curious mm-hmm. about it. One of the funny things is the scare tactics that come in from from the DPP in particular. They'll they'll run these ads that say you know how can our kids compete for jobs. With the Chinese, and it'll show a caricature of a Chinese kid who spends twelve hours a day studying, and can play the piano, and, and is a master at the violin, and also like you know is a rocket scientist, and this and that, and and it's it's designed to kind of create this impression that China is just so large, so overwhelming, and so brimming with uh, with with am- you know an ambitious one to two percent that that Taiwan could never compete. So there are all these these very Wait, interesting. Pretty, different... This is a DPP. Yeah, this is because this is, because this is a, a matter of of opening up the borders to allow Chinese to work um, oh. in Taiwan. Oh. And Oh, and, and, and uh, so, I thought it was sort of like because yeah. I,
0: mean, I would run the same message as a, a blue and say if you can't beat him, yeah.
2: no, yeah, but yeah, but I mean the idea is well, you know, what are our kids going to do if if all these right. extremely ambitious Chinese people come and get jobs at our companies and so on? So yeah,
0: interesting. Uh, so what did they ask you, Kaiser? I mean, did, did, what questions did you get? Um, so. I guess most of the people that I talked to, well, they immediately recognized that I was from the mainland, and so immediately they started talking about, yeah, my cousin or my brother or my 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 sister is there. Everyone seems to have a, a relative already there working, you know, in, in some city, and they they sort of jokingly talk about, oh yeah, you know, it's very different than when I was young and I was brought up talking about the Gongfei and all this. Yeah, you're becoming more like us, and and you know, I guess I encourage that. I mean, I, I'm I, I always wanted you know the, the taxi ride to be kind of uh pleasant and 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 not, not combative so i i i was you know kind of seeing the 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 united front kind of line uh always and you know that's my it's my in my nature <laughs> to do that um so you know i i wasn't challenged i i guess what what was impressive was um most of, of the, the, the questions had to do with economics. Most of of, oh. of people were, were really curious about, you know, what's a starting salary like if, if say, I'm an engineer. And then they, they, the cab drivers wanted to know the whole economy of of, of, of taxi cabs there because uh. I, I would point out – they would say, how much would this – you know, a ride – you know, we've gone, you know, 26 kilometers. How much would this have cost if you were in Beijing? How, you know, uh. how much do they charge when you're stuck in traffic? How much do they, a, a lot of a lot of cab drivers – I know you're not supposed to talk to cab drivers as a journalist, but I'm not one, so <laughs> fuck it. Uh, but but yeah, they 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 were they were really curious about the the economy of of of, of taxis there, and were uh, shocked basically to hear that the uh, that cabs are not much cheaper in in Beijing than they are here uh, than they were, are in Taipei. They're ridiculously uh, reasonable in Taiwan. Huh, yeah, it's it's really really so, it, that was a huge surprise to me.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, to our Seneca listeners in in Taipei, <laughs> maybe we'll make a trip All there two, someday yeah. and do a do a podcast.
0: No, I will. I'm going to insist that Jeremy come along, and we're going to do. Um, we're going to you know get get some really good, representatively Taiwanese people on and, and talk very candidly cool. about it. Mm-hmm. Great, awesome. Okay, uh, time for recommendations.
2: Yeah, I time for recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, you got one. Yeah, I'll do two really quickly. We 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 kind of I guess talked about how Taiwan wasn't that influential in, in movies, but um, <clears throat> one of my favorite all time movies is uh, is Edward Yang's E E. It's Y I Y I. I believe the English is is a one and a two, um, and it's just and this gorgeous end, and a two. two yeah. yeah, exactly, and. Uh, and it's just this gorgeous portrayal of of a of a basically middle class Taiwanese family um and for an added bonus there's there's a, a part where they do go to Japan and uh the way it's shot and uh and the sort of stilted romantic affair that doesn't happen in while they're in Japan i think is very very uh remi- well it would basically kick it forward to uh, lost in translation which i think probably was inspired by this interlude within ee and then the second one is is a novel well it's a set of short stories Called Taipei Ren uh, Taipei People by Bai Xianyong, and that's just a true masterpiece of Chinese literature, uh, and it's, it's sort of the height of, of Taiwanese modernism. It's extremely ornate. Beautiful. When, when was that written? Sixties, uh, okay, seventies. Yeah. You could
1: ask Alison Liu about that. Yeah,
2: uh, I mean, it's a, it's, but it's just a gorgeous <laughs> novel, and, and you, I mean, read it in English because I mean, I read it in Chinese and, and read it very very slowly, but uh, gorgeous novel, and it and it really or set of stories, and it really gets at the exile aspect of Taiwan. This this idea that millions of people with the KMT left China and came to Taiwan and, and found themselves in these utterly alien surroundings and were forced to while away the remainder of their lives, in many cases 40, 50 years uh, in this place. And there's always that interesting sort of feeling uh, to the place. Uh, and, and so I think you know, Bai Yong really captures that well in, in that book. Cool. I'll, I'll definitely have to read that um, uh... Go ahead, Kaiser. Okay,
0: so yeah, I've got a recommendation. Um, I'm going to recommend something that I just listened to just in the 90 minutes or so before I I came over here for the podcast. Uh, Isabel Hilton uh, recorded a a, a lecture that she gave uh, at the London School of Economics. It was just a couple of days ago on January 21st. Um, The title of the talk was from Empire to Republic, china's struggle with modernity, and for some reason it has a question mark at the end of it. Isabel is a friend of the podcast she's been on a couple of times. I have a huge crush on her i'm i i'm, I'm <laughs> uh, she's just like the the most amazing woman uh, what a life story she's had, but she's also so thoughtful, so insightful, so articulate and so what she does in this talk and which is like i like i said it's it's a, it's a good lengthy, meaty talk. Um, she explores definitions of Chinese identity and um, what it means to be you know, Chinese within this modern polity and across the, these, these modern times. And there's a lot of very valuable uh, insights that she offers, particularly with respect to views on how China's efforts to define itself um, has kind of excluded and marginalized um, China's non-Han populations, specifically Tibetans and, and Uyghurs. And it's a very uh deep meditation on on minority problems um that i really wish you know the leadership of this country would sit down and and listen to because this is somebody who uh, has deep experience mm. in china and deep knowledge uh and um genuine empathy genuine empathy that comes out of uh, of sort of passionate connection and 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 dare i say love <laughs>
1: yeah love absolutely interesting very interesting I'll definitely check that out uh, My recommendation, luckily, is uh, because I've been such a bad surrogate host, I didn't do the timing right. We ran over oh, a lot great. of stuff we didn't talk about. But one of the things we didn't get to talk about was language. And Taiwan, you know, Taiwan is very rich and interesting uh, linguistically. So I just refer people to a site, which I may have recommended before, but maybe not, Pinion.info. It's the brainchild of a guy named Mark Swafford, who lives in Taiwan, and He's got a whole section on Taiwan's crazy romanization system. I mean, Taiwan is just crazy when it comes to, you know, how they've dealt with their romanizations and Pinyin how they, their street signs. seems to be winning signs. in Taipei. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, Pinyin's starting, but they, but if you look at Google Maps, I mean, there's a, it's a mess. There's a whole lot of right. f- interesting things. Um, so so check out Pinyin.info, not just for the Taiwan information, but all sorts of information. And also another site that I think is on his site, linked on his site. It's just in Pinyin. It's zhonghuayuan.org. And it's got, um, it's like, you know, British and American English. It's got the uh, Taiwanese and, and mainland equivalents mm-hmm. for various things, uh-huh. you know, like, like, uh, uh, and, Ji and, you know, the different, and and different and 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 and, and so that it's just a cool little uh, dictionary. So that will, that will make up for the fact that I we went over time for the language. And um, you want you go ahead and talk us out.
0: I'm um, talking to you out. Hey, so, yeah, you know, we're going to take a little break for Chinese New Year. I'm actually headed back to Taipei again. Uh, and uh, we will see you in the new year. Uh, and happy year of the horse, everybody. This is my Benignan. so everyone, you know, I've got my red underwear on, or I will. Uh, and uh, <coughs> wish me health and happiness in the year. David, finished. thanks, I'm,
1: man. Thanks. I'm finishing up this blues uh, yeah, here. Paul, wow. wow. wow, great yeah, to have you,
0: man. You good to have you, awesome. you back. Very, very. very good. Emily, I know you didn't say you, you were just <laughs> going <laughs> to sit here and be quiet, but you know you, you, that mic was not on, right, right? so okay, we'll see you guys all in a couple of weeks. Take care.